Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, episode number 49. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is basically two blokes that have known each other forever, who catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD to talk everything Essendon Football Club. My name is Grant, and with me is Scotty. Hello, everyone. And like you, it's, what is it, 8.30 on the Tuesday night. We're all a little bit over it. And we're waiting (laughs) for Dylan Shiel to come into our lives. So we're just, uh, yeah, we're waiting on the uh, contract to go through. I have absolutely no doubt it will. Yeah, it's just just Adrian Dodoro does not get pushed into anything ever (laughs) full stop. Even if we're really desperate for a midfielder of his class, you can bet Adrian's going, no, 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 I don't know. I'm not doing it. No, I'm not doing it. And then at the last second, you'll go, yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I can't help think my cynical side says the deal's done and, and uh, we're all just a little bit posturing for the uh, the TV cross tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the marketing team's done their thing and we'll have videos and statements from Shield yep. and pictures of him in an Essendon uniform. Yeah, pictures will be already done in the uniform out at uh, Tullamarine. It was quite interesting actually today with the uh, the them closing down the uh, Essendon closing down the bomber shop at 12 and and sort of no one in the club after that. I've, uh, my cynical side says is you're either changing, you know, you're either changing over all the merchandise, not sure about that, or, yeah, or you just you just don't want anyone around for a certain event. Exactly so, right. I think that's the, that's closer to the truth. So who knows? But uh, look, it, it's still exciting. Uh, not much has really happened as far as trades, I guess, concerning Essendon. Well, yeah. There's a there's a lot of gossip that we're still after Jack Martin. I think I don't think we can get him. I just don't yeah. think there's enough picks for us and and money available. What is strange, though, even with the Shield and Martin, um, is how much they're obviously asking for Shield and how much Gold Coast to vast for Martin. Even some reports saying two first rounders, and then those clubs giving away guys like Scully and Scrimshaw and. For a pick third 40, and fourth rounders. Fourth rounder for Scully. It's I like mean, this, he better have yeah. his ankle hanging off. Like he better have no ankle <laughs> left or something to get Scully for a fourth rounder. Like he he must yeah, have the, told the club he does not want to be there anymore. But the, there's just some trades. There's like a real inconsistency of message. Like Aaron Hall is a very good player, and North get him for pick sixty eight. And I just I, it's just like even even he's, even if you're slightly injured or have a slightly bad year. If you're playing next year and you're Aaron Hall, you're a very good player. Your midfield has has got a lot better. Um, Absolutely. North Melbourne's actually done quite well. What, uh, what it actually tells me is that the Gold Coast is it's dead. I look, I, I have to be honest, and I know I'm an Essendon fan, but I, I love the competition, and it, it's a bit sad. Like it's it's very sad because obviously everyone's trying to get this market up, and it's just, I mean, what does Stuart do? Do like he's. I know he's. I mean he's losing player after player after player. Like yeah. he's. He's. They've had a mirror and Martin and Lynch and. Yeah. Shield I mean, and May, May, May even saying the statement. He just wants to go to any, any big club. Any, that's bad. I mean that's that is bad. It's man. just not a good look. Uh, and I, I tell you what, I really didn't like the Port, um, uh, the Port Adelaide statement. Um, and even Sauce was a bit guilty of this, but they actually made a statement about two players from South Australia in the draft. Yeah, they said you and, better not draft yeah, them. Yeah, they're basically threatening, saying you better not draft them or we'll poach them off you in two years. And and I actually think if I'm the AFL, they've got to have a bit of a quiet word too. I agree. Because you cannot have that in part of the integrity of the competition um, in play. You, uh, I don't like that. It, it, People may think that's too strong to say it's it's draft tampering, but gee, it's not far away. Oh, it's absolutely because it's, it is. it's really saying don't you dare draft them. And, yeah, because we've already spoken to them. And everyone and... in their right should be drafting to national competition. You, you you don't hear that in the NBA or NFL. No, you don't hear it in the NFL. Off you go. Not... You're drafted. You're off you go. That's where you're living. It's like Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is an Aussie. Got drafted to Philadelphia. There's a high likelihood he's going to be there for his entire career. It's not like you go, oh, I want to go to yeah. LA because it's sunny in LA or it's one of the big teams. If you get drafted to the Gold Coast, man, they've got no... The Gold Coast has been around, what, seven, eight years now? Seven or eight or something? Yeah, about that. Yeah, seven around. They have no legends of their club. Like no. that, They're not going to have legends coming through to be able to put on the wall because Tom yeah. Lynch has left and O'Meara's left and Sheila's left May and, and, yeah. and May and the, the people that have actually generated Cat, Caddy, their names, yeah. Caddy and that... 
that that have generated names and history and games under the belt for the Gold Coast Football Club um, have all left. So yeah. in in ten years' time, are you going to have Lynch's name on the on the wall? They're not going to have any club legends to put up on the wall. No, I mean even Ablett's time wasn't that. Oh, Ablett will be there just it, it was, as it was face, okay maybe, but, he, but as a face to put yeah. bums on seats but they're not going to have I mean you're walking through Essendon and the people like Ron Andrews and Timmy Watson and Simon Madden and Vanderhaar and Flood and, and all these uh, names David Flood pounds the... an absolute legend oh, <laughs> my god pick the and, odd name out and Ariel Steinberg and they're, they're, they're going to be or they are already on the walls up there right but the yeah, GC, James Hurd's a good player James oh, Hurdy, Hurdy, of course. But, um, yeah, they're just going to have no legend. So yep. the, the Gold Coast and the AFL bit off a real big mouthful with the Gold Coast because every major sporting team that has ever been launched on the Gold Coast has failed. Yeah. The NRL has failed. The NBL and, like, has e- failed. And Evans has gone there from the AFL, basically, to help set it up, and it's got even worse. So yeah, it's, it, you just wonder how viable, is, how viable is this club? Like, you've got no crowd, you've got little members... And, and the players don't want to be there. Players don't want to be there and just getting poached as soon as you draft. And they're going to draft people like pick two and three. What happens to them in two years? How do you keep them there? Yeah. And this I, is the thing. like they, they had this problem with Sydney is that people didn't want to go to Sydney. So they got this massive amount more salary cap. And the AFL's given Gold Coast and even not GWS, but the Gold Coast. It, like GWS and the Gold Coast got literally for three, four years in a row, every good kid in the country. Mm. They, they got one, two, four, five, seven, eight, nine, and the picks they got were incredible. They got mm. Jaeger O'Meara, they got Dylan Shield, they got Scully, they got Lynch, they got May, they got all of these people, but they can't keep them. No. So if it's it's real, I reckon the AFL would actually be really worried about the longevity of the Gold Coast because if you're going to send another batch of number one draft picks and twos and threes to that club, yeah. And they go in four years. It's a waste of time. And now we're seeing the seeds of GWS, aren't we? we we're seeing the yep. we're seeing the signs of the same thing happening. Yep. Just as they're, you know, they. I mean, they should be, by all rights, you know, they should a have prelim won two or by now. yeah. I reckon they should have won one or two at least. Uh, well, uh, maybe one. I, I still, they're still quite young, but they they had the talent to in the last couple of years to beat most sides. And when you've got like people like Lob who just. They've got no real reason to leave. It's not like they're not being yeah. played or that they they feel like they're undervalued and they're playing in the NEFL or whatever the hell they play there. Um, Lob's playing in the seniors every week. Like he's, mm. he's there every week. Shield is playing in the seniors every week. And they're playing finals as a club, but they still want to leave? Yeah. That's, that's a worry for me. I mean, I guess in fairness, there's not many guys leaving the Swans. So there must be a little bit of it culture-wise. Got to be. Different. Um, But I guess the Swans have a bit more of a... um not a celebrity, but there are the showpiece AFL side of Sydney. Yeah. And GWS, are, I guess, the western suburbs. And again, they've got no history. So the, the players like Dylan and, Ro- and Rory Lobb and those guys and Scully, they've got they've got no real reason to want to be there. Like, you, mm. the Essendon Football Club, you look up at the walls and you, you see Hoody and those guys on the wall and there's a history to it. You want to be part of that history. You want to stay there. Like, Bear got um, Bear Hurley got offered literally the Collingwood Town Hall when he came back from the saga. Collingwood threw literally threw the kitchen sink at the man, backed a semi-trailer worth of money up to him and said, come to Collingwood, but he stayed. Right, he stayed for his mates, but he stayed for the Essendon Football Club as well. No, no player at GWS, they're backing money up to their door, but yeah. no player at GWS wants to stay with the club because it means something to them. It's it's really it's disappointing, really disappointing. Yeah. Look, so we'll look. I guess just on Essendon, I'm more than happy if 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 someone told me we did pick nine, a, sec- a, a second round pick somewhere, and and we get Shield. And we leave. Like yep. I, I'm, I must admit, I, I've, shield and done happiness. I, I, that's my preferred. Uh, look, if, if Martin's in play, oh. I'm happy to entertain the idea. Absolutely. I still, I know it sounds funny. I still think a first round pick is is. A t- I mean, I guess it's fair enough, but he just hasn't overly performed to to the standard of I guess what was touted. But uh, that's got a massive amount to do with the Gold Coast. Like yes, yeah. he when he came out, like they were saying that he was one of the most talented players 
a lot of people had ever seen. Like he's ridiculously yeah. talented. It's just a shame being twenty three now, I and mean, that's not young. I mean, that's it's young enough, but it's five years in the system, but you haven't really you haven't really up. performed, right? So I reckon Essendon would absolutely. I just don't think we've got enough ability to get him this year. We're going to give up our first rounder for Shield without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. If I was Gold Coast, I absolutely would not let him go for a second rounder. So we're yeah. probably going to have to use our first rounder up next year for Shield. Yeah. So I'm not sure how we get Jack Martin, but he's out of contract next year. So he may just walk and we could get him. I don't know. But yeah. I'm with you, man. If we get Dylan Shield, grab our second rounder and get out. I, we were talking about this during the week um, in that... I love the fact that there's not a lot of controversy at Essendon. There's not a lot of changeover. We haven't had people poached from us and people leaving. It's and very settled, isn't in. it? Yeah, I like that. I think the club thinks that we've got with Devon in there now and um, Stringer going through the mids and Myers and Z- and Zacker and Dyson and, and uh, McGrath and all these people that we've got the ability to run through the middle. Yeah, Dylan was that one elite midfielder that we needed. We got him. Like, we got him. We, we, yeah. went, we didn't have to settle for Setterfield. We got the number one gun, get in, get him done and get out and get him training and get us back on the park next year. Because I think that's just, I've said this before on the podcast, um, Jakey's four liters of cream. Well, Dylan is the cream on top of the cream. So yeah. um, I'd be more than happy if we went Dylan and, and jumped out. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I, I I really believe in our under 23 players. Parrish, uh, Langford. Yeah, I mean, we've got a very, very talented list uh, it, it to me it's it's really over to Wusha. Like I've I've always yeah. thought like this is his next level. Um, that 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 he needs to um... takes him through to the sort of the Alistair Clarkson type. If you can, yeah. If you can, if you can take that next step and turn good players into great players. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, anyone can build a great list. Now we've got to build a great side, and yeah. that's and that's yep. that's the that's the real. We saw elements of it the second half of the year. Uh, and but now we've got to do it from from round one. Absolutely, and I guess I've said this before too. Is it was the first half of the season last year? No one knew what the hell's going on, right? It it depressed the hell out of Scott. He did a very <laughs> quiet podcast in a dark room, and it freaked me. Everybody else uh, that listened to it out. Um, but then all of a sudden we flicked a switch, and I I praised Essendon at the time, and I still do for doing what was required to be done. There was probably a very quick, very comprehensive assessment of what's going on. Um, there was people let go. There were people whose roles changed, and we flicked a switch, identified yep. the thing that was wrong, and we remedied it. And we got some clear leaders in the football club, even on the playing list. Absolutely, we got some outspoken Heppel and Myers and guys who said, "Okay, enough's enough." Yep, exactly correct. So and I, I, I want to see Shield slide on in, do his job, and the boys. And again, that that quote that you've that you brought up on the podcast a while ago when. Dyson was watching what game was it when he said he could uh, he can compete oh, the grand with them. Final, the grand he was watching the grand final and he he was honest to goodness said I I know in my heart that we could have competed in that yeah. game. Right? And look, it's nice to hear from Dodaro, and sometimes it's a bit of fluff, but it is nice to hear that, uh, that he said that there's been more players come in early into the gym and into the club to work out than ever before in a preseason. Yep. And I hope that's I hope that's the case. Let's. I, if we can take this seriously, and like to me, there's there's certain players that I think really elevates us. One is Dylan Shield. Oh yeah. But like, if a Jake Stringer can get that twenty thirty percent more fit, it's a huge. Like, I I just generally think he's a huge play that hasn't erupted yet for us. No, I, I don't he's think so. Showing glimpses of it. Trust me, he yeah. had a good year. I was gonna say that it was a yeah. good year. It was a good year, but. He's I just, got an extra gear. He's got, he's got an extra gear. Yeah. And, and there's players like that at Essendon and, and the development of Langford and Parrish and those guys going, if they can take their game to another level, we are right in the mix. And again, people like Connor McKenna. Like Connor McKenna for me has, that was a breakout season for him. He looked like a proper, honest to goodness AFL footballer. Like mm. he was, he was making good decisions. He was kicking goals. He was running like a madman. If he continues to play at that level and, Langford continues to do what he did um, last year and maybe gets mm. even better and even fitter. Jakey Stringer is just the freak one yeah. minute kicking balls from the boundary, getting that real strong presence around the Francis ball. Francis on the other end. Yeah. Francis at the other end. Ridley when he comes in. Yeah. Kyle Hooker settled, taking marks. Yeah. Joey D coming in, standing on people's yeah. heads, right? I, I, I said this to you during the week. I've, I was really excited for the 2018 season when... They triple S was announced that we drafted them all right. 
I was ecstatic. I couldn't believe we could bring those many ple- that many uh, players to the club, and I couldn't wait for the eighteen season to start, mate. With Dylan Shield now and the way we finished off the second half of the season, I've never looked forward to a season more in my life because yeah. we know the thing that we were doing wrong. We fixed it. Yep. Every year is a new year. Everybody starts off at the same level, but name me a position on that field where we're weak. It's very true. I, I, it is hard to actually find a, a weakness in the side with Shield coming in. I can't in. find Paddy Ambrose a spot in the side now. I can't find Laverde a spot. And that's I, like... And I rate him. So it, I'm not it, saying that. I just, he's hugely rated. I'm just... It's like, I'm really struggling with the best 22. I mean, Francis on some seriously good in. Like, at the moment, I don't have Ridley in the 22. No. And, and you know, people, people know what my thoughts on him are. Mate, get down but, to... With Todd Ridley, by but, the way, get down to a VFL game. Get down to a VFL Jordan. game and watch... Todd, I called him Todd again. <laughs> um, Todd, if you're listening, <laughs> a, sorry, we, we loved you it's too. A thing. Um, Jordan Ridley, yes, get down to the VFL and mm-hmm. watch that kid run around. That's an AFL footballer running around in the VFL, yeah. and I'm not sure how we get him in the side <laughs> at the moment, right? Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how Gleason does come back, like from I, the long term injury. He walks in for me. He walk if he's fit and he's, he's well, trained. Yeah. he walks in before he got injured. He was definitely yep. in our top probably four defenders at yep, that point. Absolutely. So uh, he, he definitely gets the benefit of the doubt for me as well. But yep. we'll see how he goes. So look, we won't <laughs> we won't keep you long. We're so thrilled yeah, to say that we've got um, Ralphie coming on almost in about 30 or 60 seconds. Ralphie as a, Horowitz as a from guest. The, We're about to get him yeah. on the line. So yeah, from the from the Hawf, Hawf, <laughs> From the Hawf, from the Croft and Hurdy podcast. <laughs> I've had to say Hawthorne for the, the Croft and Hurdy podcast. It's been a long day. Uh, yeah, so um, we're thrilled to have him on uh, and we'll get him on after the break. So talk to you soon. And we have on the line uh, a very famous man, the, the host of probably the most successful podcast this year uh, on the Corvin Herd Show, but we know who runs it. Ralphie, welcome aboard, mate. <laughs> oh, thanks very much, Scooter. Thanks, Brad. Um, yeah, look, it was very nice. I know you had a choice of John Lennon or Paul McCartney and you ended up with Ringo Starr. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate, if it wasn't Ringo, there'd be no beat, as they say. <laughs> That's it. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, look... I think some of our listeners, and obviously we're a bit of a pro Essendon podcast. We're pretty, just a little bit. Yeah. Just a touch. Uh, <laughs> look, obviously you've probably got a bit of an Essendon fan base following you uh, because of, uh, I guess, one person. Can, the great can, man. I guess the origins of the podcast. How did it How did it sort of come about? And I guess how did Herdy's name um, come into your mind? And, and Crawford, for that matter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, um, well, well, Shane and I uh, have been mates for you know twenty odd years. When um, uh, it's funny when I suppose for a while there, racing was the outlet for, for both of us. Uh, so I found out pretty early doors that he loved racing as as I do, and uh, yeah, we just so whenever I'd see him, be it uh, through my footy show work or at the time I was doing Triple M as well, uh, we'd just start talking racing, and um, and, and uh, so yeah, we just hit it off early days. Um, so all the way through, I could tell Croft really wanted to uh, to make media a career. I suppose I've met him what probably ninety six, ninety seven. So he's it was four or five years four four or five years into his career, um, and he really wanted to make it. So any ideas I had, uh, I'd run past him, and, and he couldn't jump into it quick enough. So you know uh, there were other guys who you know would be asked or talked into doing the footy show and there was those sort of in the middle that you know probably a bit like Hurdy who who were bloody stars but also very good at doing media and they were happy to do it and happy not to do it probably so I don't think uh, I don't think James um, was really setting himself to do media post footy but uh, (laughs) Croft certainly was Uh, it it just happened to brilliant Uh, look I guess um, most listeners what just were uh, one... Sorry, I, I actually stopped halfway. I should actually yeah, continue. <laughs> yeah, no, I just realised it. Um, how did you, how did you drag uh, Hurdy in? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good point. So um, anyway, I, I remember speaking to Corf uh, probably two years ago. I'd, I'd become a bit of a, a podcast nut. You do that when you're working by yourself and you uh, 
I work for myself doing racing as my full time job, and uh, and you know you're looking for things to to listen to and to uh, and to connect with the world. And I got on a podcast probably about ten years ago, pretty much not, not long after I uh, probably became readily accessible. And I thought, geez, you can listen to the best media in the world uh, whenever you want to, you know, compared to you know scratching around a radio station trying to find something yeah, of interest. Exactly. Yeah, so, uh, so no, this is pretty good. So, And for me, it was not so much a media idea, but more just enjoying it as a consumer. But I did say to Crawford, I think, I think it's sort of tip of the iceberg and, and we could make something of it and just probably let it float for a bit. But it's weird the things you remember. I remember Friday nights, uh, generally my, my son would be uh, doing footy training. I was the runner, a very slow runner. It'd take a while to get the message out. But yeah. I'd, be, I'd be running laps and more often than not, Crawford ring me on his way home from, from whatever he was doing for work, and uh, we just start talking footy, and and it was it was serious analytical footy, and I thought this is madness that someone of his talent uh, and record isn't showing, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely, and isn't showing that that side of his knowledge out there because of the you know the various characters that he was doing in the footy show, and I think it uh, it just you know early days. Well, I don't think I'm giving up conferences, but with, you know, you've got four kids under five or whatever he had at one stage. Yeah. And I think, you know, going to the footy and spending a day in a commentary box, as I did as a producer there for a while, is, is really conducive to being a hands-on dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and and you know, so he wasn't doing the Sunday footy show, wasn't doing radio, but I knew how, how knowledgeable he was. So anyway, it was about last November. And he said, uh, yeah, podcast idea. I said, you had? I said, yeah, it was a what he wanted let's go and he said uh what if we got james heard and the best analogy i can give is it was like hearing a hit record for the first time you just went well that's going to be it <laughs> so yeah. i just i just knew it was going to work uh, yeah. once i asked it once i said does he want to do it and he said yeah i think he does so um and then yeah we, we caught up for a coffee the three of us and um and just started having a chat and said to her, did you want to do it he said absolutely i said what don't you want to talk about he said i'll talk about anything so i thought well that's a good starting point um and when we the, the plan in the studio, which has been another winner, of course, actually to do it in a in a full on music studio. Yeah. Uh, you know, as you guys know, it's, it's a number of different ways of doing a podcast. Yeah, but we're in Scotty's front room as we speak. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. yeah. And uh, don't worry, I'm at the back in my my little office as well. So, <laughs> um, but no, we got a full on music studio, and we said, well, let, let's have a crack at doing it, not necessarily to go to air, but as if it was going to go to air, and if it's good, it will go to air. So we did one, and, and I said, we'll nationally preview a few sites. And it was pretty good uh, by this, by, you know, what they produced, not not me. And But Herdy said, no, let's do just one more. So we did, I think, the same four sides again for preview of the year, and I just sort of planned out that we'll do four preview preview shows. And Herdy dropped a couple of absolute nuggets, and I thought, well, gee, I hope we do this because I know how good this is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we, we came up with a plan. Of, uh, of releasing the four in one go, uh, just sort of let out a little tease that we we're going to do it, and then we yep. uh, we we let the Sunday Herald Sun listen to them, and uh, so we dumped them. I think on a Saturday night, and on the Sunday, they uh, they did a big uh, you know splash of of what was said and the various things that uh, that came out from a newsy sense with James, because as you guys would well know, we, we probably hadn't heard from him much uh, in public. Yeah, and I think. Genuinely, the appeal to him was, you know, if, uh, you know, I'm sure everyone from 60 Minutes to a Current Affair, whoever, to, were, were desperate to do the big interview, well, we were desperate to do the small interview. Yeah. <laughs> and just to talk, have yeah. fun, muck around, and then if Herdy wanted to say anything of news, he sense, well, that, that was good, but we wanted to enjoy it. And I knew that the, for the show to have longevity, whatever impact it was initially going to have as far as, you know, James has said this about nice, that. Yeah. Absolutely, um, but but if it was if it was anything to do with uh, with you know the, the bad times at Essendon, it was going to make news anyway. But we were there to preview sides and then talk about each week as it happened. And uh, I think pretty early doors, James enjoyed doing it, and yeah. Shane Shane was Shane, and uh, who's just absolutely the funniest man I've ever met, or one of them. And um, yeah, and annoyingly, way... annoyingly, we don't like Hawthorne, but annoyingly, Corf <laughs> is a is a funny bloke. I'll give you that. Well, the thing is, I mean, it's, I've, I've actually tried to think about this. Purely get back, they, I don't, I think they both enjoy a bit of solitude, Shane time and James time. 
Uh, they were both obviously clearly, you know, absolute champions. And I think apart from that, they've got nothing in common. <laughs> and I think yeah. that's what makes it so good. Apart, yeah, I mean, they get on great, but they're not they're, they're different types of personalities. And that's what makes it so hilarious. And I think the uh, and actually one of our uh, listeners reminded us of it towards the end of the uh, the season when they said when. Uh, Shane asked James if he's been to Moscow and he said yes and he said have you been to the cat circus he said no I went to the Bolshoi Ballet I thought that is it in a nutshell <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right yep <laughs> yeah. and, and look the probably the, the beauty of it is and obviously we do a podcast ourselves is the fact that you can have control of what's said and yes is is probably a huge factor I could imagine for James as well that he has control over the whole content and what comes out of his mouth just in front of, I guess, friends um, is probably huge for him. That's that's not through, a, uh, I guess, a traditional media TV interview. Oh, very much so. And, and again, this is, I, I, um, again, I'd, I'd hate just to come across with me putting words in his mouth because I'm not, but I think it's going to be of appeal because if you, you know, take the, the big money from a 60 minutes or whoever was going to pay money and i don't know i'm not aware of any of it i'm just assuming um then they have to try and interrogate you and try and you know uh, get, ask the, get the sound right question. and the yeah the hope you just slip up or something that's the caper and you know i mean one thing about Erdie, apart from everything else is that he knows the media background uh, backwards at every angle of it yeah. uh, so he, know, he knows what he wants to say and when he wants to say it yeah. um and i think after really after the initial impact probably the only thing of controversy if you like i mean there was some gems that came out from here and there but probably the only other one was uh when when palmer thompson was was first uh, arrested if i've got my wordage right yeah and uh and i just said to james well we this is crawford hurdy we talk footy and we do talk footy but i'm sure everyone listening would like to know your thoughts about uh your friend mark thompson and uh james spoke for five or ten minutes um he uh it was it was quite emotional about it we let him speak, and when he said what he wanted to say, we moved on to the next bit. It wasn't wasn't for us to uh, to intrude. And James said what he wanted to say, and and exactly as you say, the, the podcast is the medium that you can say what you like. People can decide if they want to listen to you or not. I think one thing that we have got across, um, given the unbelievable feedback we've had, I've got to say, you know, when I worked in the footy show days, which I know you guys will ask me about, it was like being. It, it was like being with the Beatles. It was that that huge in, in that era, but I've never worked in anything which has had the the type of feedback, which is quite humbling. Uh, not for me, but I know the boys. Oh, definitely for me, but more more so for the boys to see that. And I think that's because we've been authentic. And you know, if yeah. we try to avoid things, or if we try to, to you know, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, paint things in an untrue way, I reckon people would see through that very quickly. So we've been authentic. We've talked about. The current issues we've had lots of fun and, and yeah fortunately it's come across very well yeah I, I totally agree the the authentic part is is what I really tapped into myself just to uh, I mean even even as a long-serving Essendon fan and you go you see James you know for 20 years sort of starring and and being in the limelight but there is something refreshing uh, even with Crawford and yourself just to hear an authentic conversation and, and yes. you and you and you know, I'm actually hearing these guys' natural personalities, and, and, yep. and hearing what they naturally think. And I I find that a, a desperate need in the footy sort of media landscape, you would say. So, I, I, just this question: What's your thoughts on Hurdy now, having a spending a year with him, to maybe previously before the podcast? Like, has the did you know him well beforehand, or has you have you had a different thought about him as a person prior, sort of prior and post podcast? Um, how, how do I answer this? I'll, I'll, so my first year at the footy show was '96, which was uh, uh, obviously heard you on the Brownlow, and uh, and I think was, was he a foundation member? Of the show? No, of course he wasn't, because Tim Watson was a foundation member. Yeah. So I think I think he was in his second year of the show, and and. I've got many things going for me, but I've got a photographic memory, and that's that's like Paul Seven saying that he's tall. It's just, I just have. I'm not bragging. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> um, and I remember early doors, him sitting in the office of, uh, of Harvey Silver, the then producer, and is again now, and he said something about how he likes at university and at the footy show are the two places where everyone's just oh well, g'day James, or they don't know him. You know, it's uh, 
because you know back then you got to imagine Channel Nine was in its absolute Bendigo Street heyday of yeah, 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 yeah. Brian Naylor and Glenn Ridge or whatever, and you know it was. Eddie would have been flying, and Sam would have been flying. And... <laughs> well, it was, but so so if if Hurdy, if Hurdy or Nathan Buckley or Jason Dunstall or whatever walked in the, there, it was there's a star football, but they're not as big a star or bigger than, than the rest of the place in there. It was just yeah. a, a cavalcade, you know. Um, so yeah, um, he, he was. I, I found him really modest, really, uh, really um, friendly, and so that was my first year in the effectively my first year in the media, and oh, it was a bit weird my my sort of background because the year before I was working on a building site as a tradesman and then the next year I'm working in the biggest show in the country uh, through knowing Eddie and Trev uh, doing some radio on the weekends and uh, I was asked if I wanted a job so yeah it wasn't hard to set fire the hour rules and get, get into the biggest show in the country so I was 26 so I wasn't on two two fronts I was you know it was, it was weird for me to work with big names but it, it wasn't you know, ultimately, I thought, well, this is going to pay my bills, and I'm not a starstruck 19-year-old. You know, and it was weird because I was a bit older than a lot of these famous footballers. Where a lot of young kids, when they go into the media, and I say young kids, as in 19 or 20, unless you've got the complete front of, of Eddie or who I wasn't with at the time, but I was with yeah. Hutchie at the time. Yeah. Saw Hutchie coming through the ranks, and uh, and you know that that's uh, well, probably. And and the other thing was that was probably almost the last era of um, of not being a big moat that clubs would put up between the media and uh, and players. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, some of the things in that that time, I remember I've got the job of the footy show and if I needed something, if I'd, I'd go down to pretty much every club, I could walk into the club and I would. I'd just walk in. I'd, I'd walk through you know, the Richmond's doors there or the, the Windy Hill doors there and I'd walk in and see if it was Danny Corker at the time or Brian Waldron or whoever it was uh, by then. By the time you're on a first-name basis and the doors were open and it was – unbelievable and you know a few years ago i remember doing something similar walking past or whatever or just seeing that the different setup and talking to people and realize now that it's like fort knox every footy club and i'm not saying rightly or wrong i'm just saying it was a different era so i was able to become fairly good mates with the players and not trying to but so that's helped set up my relationships with them and with Hurdy, yeah i had a great relationship with him for 10 12 years and yeah. when i was at my lowest and, and got the uh, got the kyber at 3aw um uh, I remember him uh, opening up his office for an hour, and uh, I went in there and had a coffee with him. Big Alistair Nicholson is there, and the the, uh, the the cricket and who I knew through the Demons was there, and um, and he was incredibly generous to me when I was at my lowest. So, um, but I, I after that I, didn't, I don't think I saw him for a decade until we had a coffee. So it was, it was, it was as I said, the dynamic was different because I was generally mates to golf all the way through. But yeah. uh, with James, he was very generous to me both when I was going well, be it uh, in radio or TV or, uh, as I said, when uh, when things went pear-shaped to me. Well, um, can I just ask also, were you around when he had the uh, the 20,000 fine with the umpire when, on the footy show with the, uh, uh, what's his name, McLaren telling uh, <laughs> that uh, he basically umpired a certain way? Were you yeah, around I was. Then? I, I was, and... Um, and for those who don't know, basically my role for most of the last part of my, uh, most of my journey after I, in my year, first year, would say, walking in the door and doing Eddie's stats, was basically Sam Newman's producer. So I was trying to deal with one controversy, which was the two-legged bloke called Sam. And, and uh, <laughs> But I heard, I heard, heard he was going to say something and then he did say it. Uh, yeah, it created a bit of a bug fight. But again, it's sort of what you, what you see inside a storm compared to outside it because yeah. you know uh, after the cream pie incident and after getting Sam getting dacked and after you know one of thousand other different uh, <laughs> different controversies it was big for James it was big for the show it was pre-social media and I was like oh, well the ratings will probably go up a bit and move on I uh, heard he had to deal with it but yeah it was one of uh, one of many controversies during that time there so it was no big deal for me but uh, but yeah I understand why he got whacked and uh, was um, you know with the benefit of, uh, of calming down through through the years we've had uh, it's been a been a topic of a bit of fun this year on the pod. Now that leads us into the the footy show years for you. They and again, you've you've given us a bit of an insight into it. It would have been again early days when, when Eddie and Sam and and the rest of the boys were, were just starting off what became an absolute juggernaut. Have you got a a footy trivia night or a, or a footy legends night cashy kind of story <laughs> for us? Cashies just for a few for a few notes kind of stories uh, about some some backstage stuff at the footy show. Um, well, it, it was it was really hard, high pressure work, uh, and I don't say that 
to complain. Um, in fact, almost the opposite because about this time of year, I'd be going to the races. I'd walk into the into the Channel Nine. You'd, you'd read you'd read the form for about eight hours. You'd play uh, you'd play uh, uh, golf on the uh, on the computers, uh, and uh, and then you'd leave. And sometimes you'd play golf in actuality and still get paid <laughs> for it. So, so it was an absolute madness for seven and a half months. I did the Sunday Footy Show at the same time. Didn't come up for air, and then when you did come up there for air at the end of the year, you'd do not much for for three months, and then have four four to six weeks off. So yeah. it was it was the good and the bad, but it was pretty high pressure in there, and uh, and it was t- take no prisoners. Um, but it was as I said, it was a, a juggernaut. I mean, really, I'm pretty sure for most of the first three or four years, maybe five years there at um, nationally, we'd rate a million people a night. Um, so. Uh, and in Melbourne, probably 750,000. Um, so the, the overall overriding memories, are, it was it was huge. Um, uh, the way Eddie was so driven, I mean, by his, was it uh, 99, I think? So I, I saw yeah. him and I was doing the the, uh, the radio with him at the time. So I was working with him fairly closely. And, and you know, uh, it, was, it was a very, very small staff for how big the show was. Uh, and that, during that time, he, he became Collingwood president. Um, and, you know, he's, he's amazing selflessness and, and relentlessness to, to drive Collingwood at the same time. I was Sam's man, uh, but, uh, but you know, I'm still much with Trev, as you've probably heard when he's been on the pod, and, uh, and you know, just a great fella. And, um, and, and just, it, it was it was a lot of it was enjoyable, but a lot of it was, was high pressure. The best times with Sam were, were travelling, uh, and the, the, the street talk was just unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> and, that's uh, that's and good. Really, it's one of my favourite parts, I must say. Well, look, I mean, if you peel it back, and this is what, what uh, now that I'm doing it, I suppose there's, there's no secrets anymore. As in, they're not doing street talk. I don't yeah. know what's up with the, with the show, but um, but look, we'd we'd film for about an hour and twenty minutes to put three and a half minutes to air. So, yeah. uh, you know, an hour and fifteen of that was, uh, or maybe an hour and ten, let's say, was you know, Sammy, love the show. Good on your dog. Good yeah, on your yeah, catch a ladder, yeah. Yeah, and he was fantastic. The the people loved it. And then there was you know five to seven minutes of uh, of, of the gold that we'd pair back to three and a half minutes. So. <laughs> Uh, my th- my thing was, and I, I mean, the only everyone's uh, tied their opinion. My, my thing during my time there, which is all you can control. When I, I I just get annoyed if people say that you know I was taking advantage of the public. Uh, I'm telling you, there was four of us. There'd be a sound recordist, there'd be a cameraman, there'd be me and Sam. Uh, we'd be going somewhere in a in a station wagon. We'd pull up. It'd take us about two minutes to set up. And sensible people who didn't say good day would just walk away from us, <laughs> and everyone else who wanted to be on, they ran towards us. So yeah, um, it was no one ever complained about being on air. No one ever complained about being uh, having you know being taken out of context. But I generally thought, and uh, as a as a main rule, the funniest stuff were people who made Sam look silly. Yeah, and, agree. Uh, and as I said in the uh, in the um, tribute, that little one we did, just Shane and I. I am adamant that no star in the history of Australian TV has been as selfless for his show in Sam because he would genuinely, not just in street talk, but I saw many times with uh, with players, particularly nervous ones, having their first and second show, he'd say, why don't you say this against me and make me look like an idiot, you know? And yeah. he'd be more than happy to do that. And if uh, I think had Jeff Farmer was as nervous as, as he could possibly get before his first show and he said something and to, to give Sam a whack early... And the whole room just cracked up and then just put his shoulders back and he loved it, you know, and, nice. and Sam was happy to wear it, you know. So very, very selfless uh, performer and also a selfless man as well. He was very, very generous to people within his circle. And and that actually leads me into my next question on Sam. I guess you can you can try and sort of give stories about Sam and there'd be a million of them and, and not a lot that you could probably say on the podcast. But I, no, I looked at Sam... I look at Sam and he does all of the irreverent stuff that he does. And the footy show is, it's entertainment. And Sam was the, the classical entertainer. He could, he could do slapstick. He could set the boys up. He could do the whole thing. But I, I've looked at Sam and especially during the Essendon saga, and I saw a different side to Sam. I saw a really intelligent football person who didn't, get blown away by all the media uh, syringes on the front page of the Herald Sun kind of stuff. He yes. he stood up for James. He stood up for the Essendon Football Club a fair bit where he saw clear injustices that were brushed over by the media or, or didn't think they needed to be reported on by the media. So I must admit, I thought Sam was just a good old funny slapstick um, comedian, football legend, 300 plus games, all that. But he was, he was playing the slapstick. But do, can you tell us about... 
Sam's other side? Like, because I, I saw a real serious side to Sam, and I just wonder whether or not you got to experience that side of him as well. Oh, very much so, many, many, many times over. Um, you, you just reminded me while you're saying that that you know probably reckon I saw him genuinely nervous twice, and so in you know nine years I think I've worked with him for nearly 300 shows, and only one of them was on air, <laughs> and that was uh, when the when the ruck rule was being changed and the centre circle became a double circle. Yeah. Uh, you know when when a whole lot of uh, ruckmen were doing their knees and he was actually asked to consult on it. He brought out the whiteboard and started talking about ruck work and he's so passionate about ruck work. Yeah. That it actually and he wanted it to come across really well. I remember and, that. Uh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. And he he was sweating which he never did. So you know uh, acting like a acting like a deal in front of um using his vernacular, not mine, yeah. in, front of, uh, in front of a full rod laver with a million and a half people watching wouldn't make him nervous, but talking about something that he's passionate about was. And I think the other time, uh, I could be wrong, I, I can't think of any any others, the other time was um, at Eddie Maguire's, uh, he had a, a, a do on at the, uh, the old Stokehouse um, to celebrate 30 years in TV, and he invited, well, it was the top, top floor, was full of people he'd worked with, and I was lucky enough to get an invite. It was about, I reckon, six years ago off the top of my head and uh and sam was to give a speech and i bumped into him while he's trying to work it out and he was that nervous it wasn't funny because he genuinely likes ed ed changed his life when he was at his lowest and um and he wanted to make a good impression for ed for his friendship not for putting on a show and uh yeah and yeah, you know, i actually gave him a couple of lines that were right he actually rang me the next day he said now i should have bought that up he said i just couldn't even think of straight the but i was so <laughs> keen to make a good impression and and that's not him, but in one way, but uh, as in as in the Sam Newman character, but in Sam Newman, the person that is absolutely like him, and he genuinely doesn't care what people who aren't in the circle think, but he genuinely does care about what people inside the circle think. And he's, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think the proof is being out of all the controversies he's ever had. I can't think of one time where anyone within his circle has ever publicly said anything other than you know complete thumbs up and affection towards him. And I don't think that would be the case with many people. Uh, because, you know, if you're a high achiever or if you're doing what you do, you, you're going to step on eggshells on the way through. And that's just not him. He's very loyal to the people who are loyal to him. Yeah, look, I must admit, just a quick story on my side uh, with Sam. Uh, in 2000, late 2015, sort of early 2016, um, uh, I approached Justin Rodsky and Xavier. There was a, a few of us who just wanted to come up with an idea of of having a uh, quite a, a massive fan march for the Essendon guys. Right then they got suspended and yes, and and I had a kind of a firm view that you know the we just wanted a, as a fan base to say hey we support you guys and you know hope you know look to ha- look forward to have you back but just a, a bit of a visual statement and so when I had a chat to Rodsky and, and, and Xavier and then they mentioned hey we'll get BJ on the footy show and. And see if we can get Sammy and and here's me watching him from my lounge room and Sammy saying hey I'd love to and 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 never really sure if it's going to happen and 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 when you turn up on the day and he he just came through and there was about fifteen thousand there for the march and and he was just you know uh, introduced myself and said hey you know what you're doing is fantastic I totally support this had his son next to him he's he's an Essendon fan and and just then marched with us from Fed Square to the G and absolutely loved it and and walked with the fans and and it it, it it sort of touched a nerve I think with a lot of Essendon fans not only just the support on the show but uh, I always felt uh, a sense of 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 Sammy knowing some of these people like knowing Herdy and knowing it's it, it's a little bit different when you know someone and you go, Hey, that's not their character at all. And they're getting yes. la- labeled something. Uh, yep. and I think he had a, a, a firm view on that. And look, that's just a, a mini story that I had uh, about why I, I, I rate Sam so high as a, as a person, but how, how nervous are you sometimes, or how much do you know sometimes that he's going to turn up with a costume at last minute or come out on the show and uh, with him. and thinking a Channel 9 legal team is going to see you just yeah. after the show? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I mean, the, the, the classic with the one that I got the most trouble for until it was realised that uh, maybe maybe only Eddie was the only one who didn't know about it was the, uh, was the pie incident with David Schwartz. And yeah. absolutely everything was orchestrated there. And, and we genuinely... 
just didn't get around to telling Ed. And for the, for the only reason was that it was still, you know, at 8 o'clock that night, and at the time it was a 9.30 show, was um, was I left it with Schwartz, you know, it's up to you if you want to do it or not, but just if you do it, let's do it. We've got to do it properly. And and that was that was Sam to tell you as well. He, he was doing the finger in the chest to Schwarter. Said you push me so hard that you think you can you know snap my neck. <laughs> I, he, he he near on did like I when I first saw it, you had me mate. I, I thought Swatter was going to get up and hammer yes. Sam into the ground like a nail. He pushed him so hard, I thought it was dead serious. Yeah, that's right. And, and so normally behind that that desk, there'd be a, a little you know okay. a, a fall a mat or something. No, no, there'd be oh. a one foot high coffee table and uh, and some drinks and all that. They weren't there, and so we <laughs> we'd made, we'd made it made it uh, you know it, it push a it safe up a bit easier, yeah, yeah a safe landing, yeah, all that type of stuff. So uh, yeah, it was merry hell afterwards, and got uh, <laughs> it real then, rightfully so, by the way. But uh, but ultimately, the ratings went up the next week, and away we went. Yeah, and, days, really? Yeah, 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 absolutely. But um, but no, uh, he's he's brilliant at uh, at uh, knowing where to push. The controversy, um, and he was for many, many years. Um, the relationship I had with him, uh, I hope this doesn't count, come across as bragging or anything like that, because it certainly isn't, but the relationship I had with him there was a pretty good trust one. So if he was going to do something that was fairly controversial, I would, if I thought it wasn't a good idea, I would never say this isn't a good idea. <laughs> Because that would be just be dumb, or you know, you, you know, well, we can't do that, or whatever. I'd just say, "Where's the joke?" <laughs> and, <laughs> and and I'd mean it. And the thing was, and that uh, he's absolute credit, and that's why he's part of why he's been so successful for so long. Because you know, let's face it, a, a jokes or whatever angle you're going to try to come up with in any creative situation, if you're by yourself, it's always good to have an audience of some sort. And if I'd say, "Where's the joke?" and he would say, "Well, what if we do blah blah blah?" and I'd say, yeah, but I'm not saying where the laugh is. If he couldn't convince himself, not me, but can, after our conversation that there was a joke there, it wouldn't matter. The controversy would never worry him, but he would be yeah. worried if it wasn't going to create a, a gag on Get the a laugh at the end of it, yeah. And as I said, it was all about the show with him. So, uh, And that's that's one thing I sort of noticed that, that Crawford really ran with early doors with the Hank Bolger controversy and everything like that, that um, he uh, he really looked at the way Sam did things. And, and in a weird way... and. Uh, um, not exact, exactly, of course, but they're not greatly different in that respect in that I think both Sam and Shane play characters. They're both genuinely funny guys, but I sort of call them shy extroverts. If they if they need to get up and be as loud as possible, they will, but they're more than happy being, you know, uh, being in the background in, in public, let's say the opposite of a of a Dipper character or a Paul Salmon type character yeah. or a loud and, you know, walk in the room. I don't think either of them are like that, even though, you know, uh, but, but I think they, uh, I think in that respect, they, they've maybe got a couple of similarities. Yeah. Could I, look, we'll, we'll, we won't be uh, too much longer, but, uh, Obviously, they call you Racetrack Ralphie. We, we, we were actually before the show asking, what are we going to ask? Because we know so little about... Winks. Horse. Winks. Uh, we know um, Winks. Black caviar. Yeah. And Fala. Couple but... of decent horses there. <laughs> uh, have, you, have you got, have you got a, a dead set certain lock for us? For the, for the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast listeners, who are we going <laughs> to chuck sure. our five bucks on at the TAB? Look, as I, as I often say when people ask me in this type of situation, they go, is there certainty? Can I have my house? And I said, yes, but don't have my house. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> it's always about self-interest. Um, I think Kings Will Dream will win the Caulfield Cup. I think that'll be very hard to beat. We've okay. never seen a horse like Winx. Uh, Kings Will Dream, it's called, this Saturday in the, in yep. the Caulfield Cup. Um, there was a horse who won on Saturday, a boy Williams called Yucatan, who's running the Melbourne Cup, who should be seriously hard to beat. Um We've never seen a horse like Winx, um, and probably never will again, uh, because she's the most versatile champion we've ever seen. Well, wasn't um, were we saying this about Black Caviar? Wasn't Black Caviar the greatest horse that ever lived? She was. She was the fastest and best sprinter we've ever seen. Okay, um, so different. Yeah. Yeah. So so in simple to and Macaibi Diva is a stayer beforehand, but what Winx can do, none of them has been able to do because you know Macaibi Diva was sort of two thousand to thirty two hundred, and uh, Black Caviar is twelve hundred sort of pushed to 1400 but Winx is Winx could have won that Everest last week I have zero doubt whatsoever at 1200 in Sydney and she's won three Cox Plate which only Kingston Town have done and she's deep odds on to win a fourth she can handle wet tracks she can handle dry tracks she can handle fast pace she can handle slow pace which she did at Flemington last start so all those intricacies are um, every single measurement you look at her she's just the best we've seen certainly in the times yeah. we're at it 
both been able to measure and also uh, also in the uh, uh, how do we put this uh, uh, post uh, post um, drug free era. And we know that personally on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, we're, you, you were legitimately allowed to give steroids and stuff like that to, to geldings, uh, you know, uh, 30, 40 years ago, and then they, they brought in drug free. So I think you can kind of be skeptical about a lot of uh, the old racing records when they said, you know, about this horse and that horse. So all we do is just look at what we've got now. But, yeah. um, but that's where, I mean, I, I think, you know, because since I left the footy media and doing this racing full-time I'll, I'll probably look at footy in a different angle and, and in a more probably measured sense and in a more uh overriding sense and i get fascinated by guys like yourselves and many other footy supporters who just particularly this time of year trade time they're just so intricate about every player and i think sometimes i'm able to bring up stuff to Crawford and Hurdy just from a, a more broader sense you know yeah. they, even, even like Premiership time, I thought West Coast were good things because of the conditioning side of things. Because you know, Collingwood had three hard games, and West Coast had, had two off a off an easier game and set the peak. And you know, I was only right by a point, but I reckon Collingwood, the tribute to them was West Coast were playing all over them for the last quarter and a half. And you know, I was only to the last bit that the the damn wall burst open. But I think in in the general sense, I'm able to appreciate footy more because I, I don't get into the intricacies and, yeah. and that's what you know when people say to have a bet on footy absolutely not because i just want to i just want to enjoy it because it's because the the racing work i do is just so intense and so you know it's a it's you know it's a, it's a week full of just looking at numbers and data and trying to trying to break it out right there get it right or wrong but uh, do you well, get it do you get attached to players like when you hear the, the whole jesse hogan thing that's been going on do you as a melbourne fan do you have a peak interest in it like are you going like what the hell's going on or or are you going get him so we can get may in <laughs> or <laughs> I, I like i like just yeah but maybe it's just because of my point in my life so i'm 49 now whereas you know i grew up and was just so lucky that you know even though melbourne were rubbish from the time i could first went which was 1977 when i was eight years old i had robbie flower as, as my idol for 10 years and uh and, 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 and rightly that, but... so yep yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and then you know, later got to meet the great man, but and, and got on pretty good with him through just through my media work and also being in the Melbourne Coterie. And so, yeah, I greatly appreciate. But it, but no, actually, the, the difference now and and sorry, by by extension, then sort of late twenties, early thirties, I, I was mates with a lot of the players in the Neil Danaher era and real good mates. Um, but then when you're forty nine, do I want to be mates with guys in, who are half my age and? They certainly would want to be mates with me, and fair yeah. enough too. So, yeah. so I just sort of look at it as an overview. I remember Eddie McGuire's great line about Peter McKenna was his idol, and then when he went to Carlton, he turned the number six over, and it became number nine, and Phil Carlton was on his back. So, <laughs> <laughs> after you see enough of him, you know it's about the club itself rather than each individual player. I yeah. hope Jesse Hogan stays. He probably won't, but whatever. I, I'm just delighted to not be rubbish for a change. I think your future is more than fine, though. Yeah, I think at, at the yeah. days you're more than fine. Now, one 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 last quick question for you, uh, Ruffy. You, you sort of um, me interest a second ago uh, Essendon season was like the, the definition of a tale of two halves right we, we started <laughs> off real bad and then yep. even Essendon supporters like us and the feedback that we get from our listeners was wow the second half of the year right and yep. we we did incredibly well and was probably the year that we were all hoping that we were going to have from from scratch what weight do you put into Essendon's last half of the year can we can we, if we get good old um, uh, old mate Shield, if he comes <laughs> over, are you expecting um, Essendon to be in the finals next year and a powerhouse next year based on the second... What weight do you put in the second half of the season, I think is what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah, I think momentum's really important. I reckon you see a lot of those situations in history that momentum's carried as a side over. Um, gee, I remember from a kid, I reckon Richmond finished the year one year before they were dominant in 1980 and it's gone on. I think there's been many occasions where the, where the side with a real good second half of the year after starting poorly, I reckon Blighty's uh, team in 93 that just missed the the, uh, the finals and then, uh, and then you know, made the grand final again the next year. I think there's been many of them. So I reckon Essendon are in that category. I think the, uh, you know, obviously, and, uh, and Danaher's just such the X factor for yeah, you guys. Can't wait for him to come back. Yeah, but I also think the um, it was almost a snapshot. I mentioned this a couple of times on the podcast, and always know if I've come up with something stupid that the boys will tell me, even if it's nicely. But <laughs> I actually went with it a bit. I, I just thought Essendon snap season was a, a snapshot on why footy's so good now because you were playing crap footy to watch, real crap, <laughs> and then you were playing good footy to watch, and yeah. you were winning. So 
And meanwhile, Carlton was still playing crap footy to watch and St Kilda played crap footy to watch. So all the hysteria about, you know, what uh, what rule changes need to be brought in, I thought that this was sometimes it's just cliches and sometimes it's people trying to make themselves feel good about the game. But this year was the year where footy did sort itself out because don't tell me all, all the good sides, the top four sides, you guys with momentum, of course, missed the finals. Brisbane down the bottom, um, but but playing exciting footy. I mean, it was just really good to watch. And the sides who were playing shut down, boring footy were weren't getting results. And uh, you yeah. know, I reckon Sydney's probably in that category. It'd be interesting if they change the, their approach next year, or maybe maybe it was a run with injuries. Who knows? But I, I think uh, I think Sydney probably underachieved compared to what they were hoping to do, and probably yeah. a lot was due with the way they're. Their style is probably, I think, a bit more defensive-oriented that works there for a while, but I don't think footy's now more about exciting footy. Well, mate, uh, so much appreciate you coming on. Uh, look, I, I, I'll i be reminiscent uh, if I didn't mention that we get so many people asking for for the, for the number five. So <laughs> send, send a happy text through and say, hey. Had a great experience on the last one, catch our podcast. <laughs> they're, um, they're actually normal. They're, so. they're great guys. Love you a lot. And uh, he's welcome anytime. If he wants to come to the studios, he will we'll come and pick him up. Anything you like, <laughs> we can pass it on. Have you ever thought of the phrase instead of uh, trying to get Muhammad to the mountain, take the mountain to Muhammad? Oh, uh, mate. Maybe you, mate. I hope that. I, by the way, I hope that isn't a uh, isn't taken the wrong way by anyone because it's uh, no, 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 but, no, because no, it's not meant to. But um, but more of the point, maybe you guys have to come into our studio one day and do, do the podcast from our studio, mate. Anytime you like, <laughs> and absolutely <laughs> maybe, maybe anytime you like. That way. Absolutely. So, Mate, uh, yeah, we, we will talk. Game. We will get our people to talk to your people. We don't have any people, but that's okay. Same. <laughs> It'll probably be us just talking to you again. But mate, we would yeah. absolutely love that. That would be uh, that'd absolutely be brilliant. The, the listeners would absolutely love it. So, mate, we'll, we'll let you go. We uh, we really appreciate your time. It's been like like forty odd minutes now. So, um, it's been an absolute uh, uh, joy to have a chat to you and uh, pass on our best to to Hurdy and I suppose Croft as well. And I, and I, and I hope you. Uh, realize that it's not token we genuinely absolutely love the podcast yeah and absolutely it's, and look on a, on an Essendon fan base because we 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 have obviously a lot of feedback it's it's actually meant a lot to a lot of people without maybe you've knowing the full extent yeah uh so it it's just been a breath of fresh air and and uh especially helps in the first eight rounds uh but uh it's just been an awesome uh, listen, and we can't encourage enough for people who are listening now to go yep. onto onto iTunes, ha- search up Crawf and Herdy Show, uh, and you won't regret it one bit. No, no, I, and I, I do appreciate it back the other way, of course, and uh, and yeah, the uh, I, I could I could tell just how genuine it was and how uh, how happy. Obviously, not just from you guys specifically, but in general, the excellent supporters uh, um, uh, who just really appreciate it. Uh, probably if if um, you know, maybe over the course of the year, one tenth of the of the uh, feedback was how how good it and how joy, enjoyable it was to hear Hurdy happy and having a laugh, and and that's that's yeah. maybe something that uh, that can be underrated just in life in general. And uh, but of course now we're talking about a specific and uh, and yeah, I, I think uh, I think for those of us who have known him a bit, which is all I did uh, for for a while, but we're, we're just ultimately I think. A number of people just got sick of all the bulldust. Uh, I still yeah. don't understand most of it. I'm happy yeah, to not understand it. Right, when yeah. I when exactly I started, right. uh, when when we started, it, probably to bring a circle to what we've been talking about. When when we started, I thought, well, do I get Chip Legrand's book? Do I read it back to front? Do I research? I thought, you know what? I know I'm a say later. What about we just take it on, on take everything on face value and see where it comes? So yeah. I don't think I'm any any wiser about the bad days, but I, I've enjoyed doing it. I think the boys enjoy doing it, and so clearly the uh, the feedback we've had has been positive. So uh, it's been happy days all around, and, uh, and yeah, appreciate you giving us Bill and uh, getting to talk about it. Beautiful. We, we really appreciate it, mate. We, we'll be listening into the future. And we hope everybody else does as well. So um, before we go, where where can uh, people find you, um, mate? Where, where can they get hold of you apart from the the podcast? Oh, well, I mean, for, for, I think there's a guy called Bomber Boss who follows me. He obviously loves the bombers and loves racing because he, he asked me some good racing questions. So my Twitter handle is RT Ralphie. My, if you want to uh, pay me lots of money for my work, uh, that's <laughs> always nice. Uh, I've got some school fees to pay, so racejackralphie.com.au. Nice. And, uh, and we've got a podcast which is actually 
corporate bookmaker ad free. We do it for the right reasons. Uh, and with a guy called Vince Accardi who's taught me how much I didn't know about horse racing. And if you want to actually learn a bit more about how we do it, you've got to be half a racing fan, probably a bit more than you guys at the moment. <laughs> yeah. if, 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 if you call yourself a six or seven out of ten uh, or more about racing, uh, listen to Year Round Carnival, which is the name of our pod. And we do it every Monday. And as I said, there's no bookmaker ads. We just talk racing and try and give some insight to people. Talk about our own products, of course, but it's, uh, it's all free there. Uh, and hopefully it uh, makes people or gets people to enjoy what I find is a fascinating sport, but I understand why a lot of people don't. All right. Well, there's there's our homework, Scotty. We'll, we'll get on there. <laughs> we'll, we'll update ourselves on our on our horse racing knowledge. And if we can get an invite into the, uh, the Crawford and Hurdy podcast, we'll have two or three minutes chat with you and see what how much we've learned since this phone call. Yeah. Sounds good. Beautiful. Uh, again, thanks very much for your time and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, hopefully. Good on you, boys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Ralphie. What a great interview that was with Ralphie, Scotty. Absolutely love it. Uh, it, it it's Some of the things he says, it really resonates with us because even just how he said how the, the origins of the podcast, just a simple coffee chat. Um, and it kind of, and he's talking about, you know, just the chat and how they they got along and he thought, gee, this would be a good podcast. It, it, it actually... Well, without without trying to sound like a bit too sort of, I guess I was comparing us to the uh, Crawford Hoodie <laughs> podcast. It, it really resonated with Scott and I because that's pretty much how our podcast started as well. Yeah, we're, we're not lying when we say we talk most days in the CVD at lunch. We both we both work a couple of blocks from each other. We yep. both have the same lunch break. We love our footy. We love our NBA and all that. So we just talk sport and and then one day. We, you know, I've, obviously I've got a few followers on Twitter and that. And one day we said, you know what? We could actually just talk on a podcast. And, yeah, I wonder if, I wonder and, if and initially it was just for our Facebook group. But yeah. initially we just say, just see if they like it. And, yeah. and, um, and look, we have to say, it's just gone a bit crazy. Uh, I know. <laughs> the, is... last, the last six weeks, uh, three, our, th- we, our top four shows, three of them have been in the last five weeks. And thank you to everybody that's listened, um, <laughs> especially from the beginning, all of the the uh, the people from the beginning, but all of the new people that have been listening to our podcast. Is, it's gone, it's gone really nuts. We're consistently in the top charts for in iTunes, which is absolutely blowing our mind. A bit humbling, yes. It's a bit humbling, but um, yeah, the, Ralphie and the and his insights into uh, man, I mean, it was around in the '90s with the Footy Show when it was just iconic, yeah. Um, and all the way through now into this podcast, it's. It's really interesting to hear from him and hear how, from a from an Essendon fan point of view, how happy Hurdy is and yeah, the vehicle the key, for him. Yeah, yeah the, the vehicle for him to just... And I, I thought the question that you asked him, Scotty, was really insightful too, is that um, the the ability for Hurdy to go on to, with a couple of his mates, uh, both mates of his, and control what's asked of him. Yeah. He has the ability to yes. speak his mind if he wants to speak his mind. Or they just, set the agenda. They set the. That's the word I'm trying to find. They they set the agenda, and if if Hurdy wants to go off on a bit of a tangent on something, they let him go. If not, yeah. he's just there as a mate to talk footy because he's a wildly intelligent bloke who knows yeah, a lot about. He knows it. a lot about football. Yeah, a um, lot about footy. So, um, again, we can't thank uh, Ralphie Horowitz enough, and um, don't think, by the way, Ralphie, that we didn't really our eyes just go wider than our heads when you said maybe you should come into the to the Croft and Hurdy podcast studios. We'll hold you to that one, Ralphie. <laughs> we'll, like I said, we'll get our people who don't exist. It's probably your kids, Scotty. We'll get your kids to, to draft up an email to, to send you through. So uh, thanks very much again for Ralphie to come on the program. So yeah, um, this uh, this podcast will be a long one tonight, Scotty. So we better wrap it up. Yeah, we'll wrap it up. Thanks again. Uh, we've got a whole, whole open new subscribers, new people who've joined the SoundCloud channel as well. You can catch us on iTunes. Just look, the simple way to find us, I find, is... Just type in the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast in Google and usually the first two searches are the SoundCloud channel and the iTunes channel. Yep. Just click subscribe or join and it's very easy. All our feeds then automatically come through. Yep. Uh, you can get us at the Facebook page, Lunchtime yep. Catch-Up podcast Facebook page. we got a lot of new members coming through there. Um, it's the easiest way to get hold of us. If you want to send us a message like a lot of people do, um, get hold of us at the Lunchtime Catch-Up Facebook, uh, Facebook page. You can get hold of us on SoundCloud and, and iTunes as well. That's cool. Um, but it's the it's the easiest place to find out about um, everything to do with the with the uh, podcast. We're on um, Twitter as well at the Lunch Catch Up. Yep. We couldn't get the Lunch Time, so it's the Lunch Catch Up. Um, we update that periodically as well. So um, thank you everybody that's been uh, that's been listening. We've uh, we in this sort of off period, it's we don't know when to sort of 
jump back on and we're not to. We've, we we absolutely we're going to do one we knew when we could get Ralphie. But yep. um, if we can get another cool guest or something happens or maybe when we officially sign Dylan, we'll we'll get back on for another show. Yeah, sounds good. All right, guys, have uh, a great Wednesday Shield Day. Yes, <laughs> Wednesday the International Shield Day. <laughs> and we'll, we'll 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 talk to you next time on the next podcast. Catch you guys. Bye. Bye.